Download the Cliff Central app. Available now on the Apple App Store and Google Play Store. Cliff Central cameos on cliffcentral.com. All right, all right, all right. You're listening to Cliff Central. This is the Balcony Sessions. And I have uh, my friend Davies Bassey in the house. Davies Bassey is a man not short on confidence. He's a multimedia artist, an expert in filmmaking, animation, graphic design, photography, etc. He is a madman who uh, I spot wandering around <laughs> Rosebank and a variety of other places. And uh, I love chatting with him, so I thought he'd bring him to the studio today and hear what he has to say. How are you doing, Davies? Thank you so much, Cliff. Thanks for having me around, Ryan. My name's not Cliff. My name's Brett. Hey, Brett uh, Rogers. No, <laughs> we're in Cliff Central, you know. <laughs> How you doing, man? I'm good, Brett. Thanks for it. Thanks for having me. Nice to have me around. Yeah, it's always yeah. good to see you, bro. Always you good know. to see you. So um, uh, the reason I brought you in, Davies, is because you've always got interesting stories and... Uh, you know... Some, you know, some craziness that uh, that you're busy with and impressive, uh, impressive work. Mm. Uh, what are you busy with at the moment? Um, well, I just finished shooting a, a music video and also like a short film uh, recently. That was about two weeks ago. I just finished editing it. Oh yeah, did yeah. you shoot and edit and everything? I shoot, edited, directed, edited, and uh, color graded it. Oh my god, everything, man! <laughs> you know, See? his uh, his uh, expert in filmmaking tag was uh, accurate. It seems. Um, so Davies, yep. tell me a bit about yourself, man. Where are you from? What's your story? Okay, uh, my name is Davies Basi. Um, I'm a Nigerian from the southern part of Nigeria, precisely Calabar, uh, from Cross River State. Um, I grew up in a, a little family of about six. Uh, we have five boys and one girl. Uh, five boys and one girl. Five boys and one girl. Yo, your yeah. poor mother, bro. <laughs> you know, in Western Africa, we have kids like for days. Like that's how it happens. Eh? <laughs> how many kids you got? Uh, I got three kids. Now, right? Do you? Yeah, of course, right. <laughs> <laughs> kids for Africa. Huh? Yeah. So, uh, well, basically, right. Uh, I studied in a I have a first degree in French, a second degree in computer sciences. Um, I've worked a bit with a few advertising agencies like DDB, uh, both locally and also internationally in UK. So, but uh, right now I'm actually here in South Africa, just a uh, grooming new ground. And how long have you been here? Uh, exactly three years and seven months. Jeez, that's not that long. Uh, you've uh, yeah. you've kind of ingrained yourself into the fabric. Everybody uh, knows Davies as you wander around the streets. <laughs> For those who don't know, if you haven't checked out the Twitter, you can uh, go to Twitter's uh, cliffcentral.com or uh, burrrogers.com and uh, Facebook is cliffcentral. Uh, you can have a look at Davies and see this handsome ass man. It's ridiculous. So. <laughs> I don't it's think so. Easy, Everybody right? thinks so. You think so? <laughs> okay, if you say so. Um, so man, your, mm. your, your life in Nigeria, how was that? And, uh, what was, what's your story there? Uh, well, I got a whole lot. I spent most of my years, um, out in that country. Um, it's quite an amazing place. It's basically called home. Uh, um, well, I, first of all, like my early years when I, I was in varsity, uh, I had quite a great experience I shared sometimes back with, uh, I've shared a couple of this story with a couple of friends and, uh, family f- members also. Um, it was one holiday. We had a, a little holiday, a, 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 a vacation, a school holiday. Uh, then I decided to go to a close city with a few friends. And uh, just chilling out in a, uh, a tavern. There was a tavern close by. We always, like, most times hang around there. So we used to sit down and have drinks and chat about things and stuff like that and chase gales and stuff like that in that city. <laughs> <laughs> so, so um, and then we had this... Uh, uh, dude who was like a, a taxi driver who liked the company. He was always like most times coming to chill with us and like, you know, 
get to learn a few things from us because he wasn't quite that very exposed and then he was like learning a lot from us. So to make this story quite short. Don't make it short. Make the story. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the days he now said there is a he now told us like there's a ship that goes to Capon. And I'm like, what is Capon? Like, you know, what is Capon? He said Capon. Like there's a ship that goes to Capon somewhere. So he was trying to like, you know, explain something to us, but we couldn't get his pronunciation because he wasn't really good in, you know, making that up. So we now said, okay, let's go check out what this guy is all about. And then we took a walk with him like for about, uh, close to about 45 minutes. And now he took us through a bush path that led to a big cliff. The base of the cliff was a huge, actually, in fact, uh, a river, a waterside that led to the Atlantics. And that, at that point, it was like almost like a, a no-go area. It was like a completely like a, a, a like a deserted kind of a place. Then, but what I realized was that from on top where we were, I, I could see um, some ships, like you know, like they were loading tanks and stuff like that. I didn't know what that was. Like was like curious, what's happening? He said that ship goes to Gabon. The dude insisted that, that ship goes to Gabon. And I'm, okay, uh, do you mean Gabon, not Capon? He said, yeah, Capon. I said, okay, Gabon. Isn't, right. isn't Capon uh, a, a chicken that's had its dick chopped off? <laughs> what? I think, no, he was trying, he was referring to Gabon. No, I got that. I know. <laughs> so, well, we didn't get his pronunciation quite well. So, um, so we ended up like, we're adventurous. Like, you know, I'm, I'm a Viking. I keep saying it like till death. Like, you know, so we're adventurous like that. So, and I said, okay, dude, I told five, five of us, like, what do you think? Let's go take a ch- let's check out let's check out what's happening there down there. Like, you no, know? it took us like from that top of the cliff down there. It took us like about almost an hour to get down to the base of the cliff where you have the waterside. And this was around about uh, getting to about past after five, getting to about six in the evening, kind of sort of thing. And then uh, these ships were already loading tanks. The, at that point, I realized these guys were moving crude oils in barrels into the ships. And I'm like, okay, this sounds interesting. This ship goes to Gabon In an innocent mind Dude, I would think Oh, Gabon is just like about Five hours Cruise And then next minute How old were you at this time? I was about 20, 23 20, 23, 24 there about And there were three of you? Five of us We're five, five. Oh. five of us Right And then But one actually was reluctant He didn't want to join us hey, He's like No, no, he doesn't know This route I said like Come on, dude Let's, let's, let's try this stuff out So we actually found uh, A way to get into the ship and then because we were trying to, we had, they had ship workers who were working there. We just wanted to like make sure, hey, no one sees us. So, um, I led the crew. Um, uh, the part I didn't mention was that we're all students of the university as at this moment, right? And then the school was on holidays. And then we're all from different departments. I, I studied French. Uh, the other studied, uh, one studied English and one was medicine, stuff like that. We left without clothes. What just, 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 just what, was, what, what, we, what, what we're wearing, you understand? So we found a way and got into this um, um, a compartment. It's a, a place where they kept, um, um, uh, I think, tools for fixing the ship or something. Like, you know, it was a grease room, like had greasy stuff inside. We found ourselves, like, you know, find a way to get into that place. So you had to sneak in? We sneaked into the ship. How did you sneak on the ship? They are, up a rope or something? No, they, they are boats. They're actually by the shores. They were by the shores. You know, they were actually anchor, anchor ropes and uh, little uh, boats that actually, like uh, wooden boats that actually you could move on them. There were other fishermen there, like, you know, local fishermen around. So it wasn't just, it wasn't just completely like, uh, with completely neutral. There was activity going on like a normal river cool, side, you know. Cool. So we found a way to get into those big uh, bunkery boats. 
But surely by now, if you're sneaking on the boat, yeah. you know there's going to be some sort of problem, right? Absolutely. But you didn't care. We didn't care. All right. Absolutely. You we, found I, yourself in the dirty room. Dirty room. <laughs> and then we actually was, we, well, I was thinking, okay, maybe five hours maximum, we'll be in Gabon. Because it's always been like a thrill to actually leave the country, like to see what's happening out there. Like, oh, Gabon, let's go see it. So we got into this boat and we shot ourselves in there. Guess what happened? About after, I think after about an hour thereabout, they uh, loosened the anchors and then they, uh, the the, uh, the 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 ship started sailing into the seas for four days. What? Four days. First of all, we had no food. We were locked in that place because the fear was that at that point when the ship was fully in the middle of the waters, I could we could see from the planks. You know, we could see when the night falls and when the day comes. We could see it from those uh, uh, from you know we could see it from the from the uh, holes on the planks. Where it falls and, but also we could also see these guys moving around these ships with guns armed. They were quite armed and well sophisticated. At that point, we knew we were in trouble. One of the guys in with us was already like giving up. He was about dying. He was at that point where he was dehydrated. He was completely finished. We we're like skinny, like bones. Like we had no food. So out of fear, I'm like, okay, no, I'm not going to watch someone die inside here. Let me go out. What motivated me to take that step was that I could hear them speak French. I was studying French in university, right? So, like, I understood a bit of French. I could make, I could, I could, I could get away with a lot of things. Also, in speaking, what I could, I, I, I was, I knew, I knew at, at, at that point. So, um, what happened? And then I now pushed the door open, and then came out. Then the source. They now scream, "Tuelo tous, tuelo tous, kill them, kill them! The voleur, the thieves, the thieves! They broken into the ship, kill them, kill them!" So they now got us, beat us up properly, took us to the, uh, like, it's like a bus who was downed in the ship. It was a fucking big ship. Big ship. It had over close about, I'm not, I'm not exaggerating, close about, about close about a hundred workers. Sure. Female, male. They had cooks. They had, it was a proper ship that had activity going on like an office, like a system. What these guys do, uh, what, what they were into was pipeline bunkering. So they steal oil and, and, and sell it. Across the coastal regions of uh, Western Africa to East Africa, thereabout, you understand? Wow, the pirating, yeah, the pirating oil stuff, you understand? So that's exactly what they were doing. Like, so we didn't know. We got into this trap, and then while they were trying to uh, communicate in French with the uh, boss, hey, these guys who caught them, like bird, he said they should throw us overboard, they should kill us and throw us overboard. He was speaking in French with them. He didn't want to even speak to them. It was the other guys I was with, my friends. They had no understanding of what was going on. But I could hear them because they were speaking French. I could understand French. So they should kill us all and throw us overboard. You understand? I now spoke a little French I knew. I said, Sifu, please, monsieur, please, don't kill us. We're not thieves. We're students of the university. We just want to do... So when he heard me spoke French, he was like, perplexed. He was like shocked. Are you serious? Hey, come. Come, boy. You say you're students of university. I said, yes. Okay, cool. Uh, sit down. So what are you guys doing? How did you guys get in here? Started questioning after a series of interview, questioning and... You know, interrogating me, I now opened up and said, we're just trying to like see what the ship is all about. We've never been here before. Guess what? Our lives were spared. And then he converted <laughs> us to work in the engine room. Yeah. In the ship. Doing what? Cleaning up, uh, plates, uh, going to clean the oil where they, uh, um, uh, service the engines and stuff like that. We're working practically like, but we had enough to eat. They gave us food. We even had girlfriends who were actually there in the ship also. <laughs> <laughs> How did you have girlfriends on the ship? 
it was it was like a, a real community. Like trust me, bro, you wouldn't know it. You wouldn't know you're actually in the sea. Like except you step out of the uh, you know the decks and actually get to see the actual. You would think actually you're living in a normal house, like you know, normal rooms. Everything was you know going on well. So, but these uh, these are females who were like prostitutes who actually were like you know uh, they had picked them up along their travels, you know, the routes, and then. They had to keep them there in the ships and working for them. There was a brothel on yeah, the Yeah, right. So going, everything goes on in the ship. Just a, a legitimate brothel with a madam and, uh, and Ev- everything. 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 Legitimate. Like, you know, saying it wasn't anything like anything was like a forced thing or whatever. It was actually out of content. Everyone that was working there was out of content. You understand? Huh. So, um, the story became interesting when actually we realized that actually we were like getting to s- about seven days on water and heading, heading to Gabon. On the eighth day, Apparently they knew how long they were, how close they were to, uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, we're, we're heading, they, 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 they went past Libreville, which is actually the capital of Gabon. Um, and it's actually a pure, very restricted area. Like, especially the borders are very, very strict. So they met us like they, they, he called us and then said, okay, listen, um, we're going to pull you guys over at Tusan Soso place. From now on, henceforth, everything you have to do is in your hand. So they made us swear an oath with water that whatever we saw there was going to die there. We're not going to tell anyone, blah, 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 whatever, whatever it was. <laughs> I hope they're not listening to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Even if they were. <laughs> Pirates coming into Cliff Central. <laughs> uh, so, you know, uh, it was actually nine days and I think six hours. They pulled over in a, a shore that actually was like um you could f- f- a city a little uh, local community that actually you know had uh people who were like buyers of the oil who were already there with their own tugboats and you know ships and stuff like that so they were already doing the transfers and then they said hey listen guys we're going to pull you guys over here they handed us over to one fortunately a nigerian lady that i met who was also living uh it's like she was she was a prostitute you know she was like you know living in those local communities also so apparently maybe she was the one that actually was doing the hooking you know of, of bringing girls around to this guy oh, she was sourcing yeah she was sourcing females for you know the uh sea crews uh ship crew uh, guys uh, captains and stuff like that so apparently like uh, i i kept observing her a bit because when we when we pulled over you know the uh, uh big boss now and said listen speak to this woman She's gonna help you out. I think she's 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 your sister. She understands your language or whatever. But uh, we're not from the same place. But she's Nigerian, so um, she housed us in Gabon. I lived in Libreville for close about uh, five months in our apartment with my friends. Wow, man! Yeah, five months. It's a long time, huh? For five months, I I ended up staying. Do you know how long I ended up staying in Gabon? I ended up living in Gabon for almost three years. What? <laughs> Just legally, we're just hanging legally. out and. I, I swear to God. What, then, what work did you do there? Um, I, I, I worked in a security company, first of all. Uh, I had to get my way to like, I just survive. Like, you know, I had to, um, a French company, a security company. I worked there for a while. And then, uh, but unfortunately, like one of my uh, friends actually didn't make it uh, alive because he went into shit. You know, he started going to do uh, a few funny things around, you know, and then he was killed. So, but, uh, we, I work in a security company and then I also became a, a teacher in a, a local primary school, you know, for, for <laughs> <laughs> you know. Hi, my name's so, Davies Bassey. I'm going to get uh, taken over by pirates, uh, lost in Gabon and going to become a teacher. <laughs> nice. You know, so, uh, well, what are you teaching? Uh, French a bit. Right. French at computer. 
So, but um, it was it was it was a nice experience and also a very uh, crazy one. You know, uh, family actually has lost hope. People had lost hope. They at back home. They thought we we are dead. No one knew about us. No one knew anything about us. Oh, where there was no phone for the for, no uh, GSM at that time. Huh. So the only way to communicate was through mails, and you sent a couple of mails. No one responded. You know, nobody knew if the mail actually got to the actual destinations and stuff like that. So it was a difficult time, right? You know, for families, especially when they had no f- clue of where you were. This was just a plan that we made at the last at the last moment. Like, okay, let's just go check this out, and then that was it for three years, three and a half years. Like, because I spent three years in Gabon, and then when I moved out of Gabon, I lived in Sao Tome and Principe for about five months before I returned back to Nigeria. Huh. And then it was like a, a, a proper, like a, it, was a, it was a crazy time out, you understand? So going back, I had not finished varsity, you know, because I dropped out, you know, <laughs> sad <laughs> on story. Account of, uh, uh, on account of uh, adventure, you know? So like, you know, but, <laughs> but um, at the end of the day, like I said, it was actually a good experience actually you had that, you, that uh, what I learned from it, the power of language, how language actually could save you, you understand? So um, you get into an environment to try to understand, you know, at least a little thing about how to communicate and then uh, get to understand the, uh, the, 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 the environment to, you know, to make sense for you based on actually what the uh, language that exists there. So it was quite a, 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 a I can't recall a whole lot of things, but it was, it, it wouldn't be, a, uh, it would take hours here to actually get to tell you the whole story. But it was one of the biggest experiences in my life, like, you know, I had. So you lived with you lived with the madam from the. I lived with the madam for about five months. Uh, we lived there together for five. She 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 really tried for us. She provided for us. She gave us tips. And, uh, she made us understand a few things about the city and where to go, where not to go, what to do, what not to do. You know, so um, yeah, uh, we became friends, and uh, she hooked us up. You know, with a few other things, and then. But we, at the end of the day, we just we we, we made our way through. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How did you get How did you get back to Nigeria eventually? Um, yeah, same, same. Uh, I had to go back through. Um, uh, there was a, a, another Nigerian guy I met out there. He was going back. He was relocating back to Nigeria because um, I discovered I was telling someone like, if you, if you move into any, any environment and then you don't find Nigerians, Nigerians and Chinese, pack your bags and leave that place. There's nothing happening there. So, absolutely, that's the truth. I can. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I met this dude who was actually he's lived there for like close about. He said he was living there for about twelve years. So he was about moving home, you know. So. I said, okay, cool, I'm going to join you. But he said, no, you're not going to join me. I'm going to drop you off from South Tome because I'm going to meet uh, the former president of Nigeria who was <laughs> about that time going to visit uh, South Tome. So that was how I got to South Tome. So we got through to him. It, it got me, um, uh, there, was, there were two cops. He drove uh, one, and then uh, there was another one that actually was driven by another person through a route from Gabon th- through the route down to South Tome and then South Tome to Nigeria. But after five months in South Tome, that was when I actually went to Nigeria because then it was easier. It's just like a neighboring country. It's quite easy to go there. Your family must have lost their minds when they, you got back, it was, huh? it was a crazy one. It was a crazy one. My mom actually, no one believed I was alive. No one believed. No one knew anything about me. No communication for those three and a half years. No, no form of speaking to anyone from home. And your mother? Uh, she, she, was, she, was, she was perplexed. She went through a very bad time. <laughs> Trust me, like, you know, it, it was hard for her. So when I got back home and then it was like a big celebration I had Thanksgiving, even in church, like, you know, hey, everyone like wanted to like know what's happening. Like people like is it real? Is it alive? You know, people were coming home to pay visits and stuff like that. So it was quite an interesting moment, but also a very sad time for my family because they were quite disappointed about what would 
you know, um, uh, make you take such a step without actually having to, uh, you know, think about us and stuff like that. So, yeah, your dad <laughs> must have been pissed. Huh? <laughs> no, he 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 is a retired military man. So, uh, well, I think uh, the best he would have done was just like you know, deal with me properly. But you know, he was he was he was. I think he was too angry that actually he couldn't do anything again. So, yeah, they were more happy to like see me alive than. Any other thing. So Jesus took three days to rise from the dead and, uh, <laughs> Davies Bassey takes three and a half years to rise from you the dead. You were slow, bro. You it was very slow. slow. What's going on? Well, uh, the slow death, you know. <laughs> if any of our listeners out there have questions for Davies Bassey, you can, uh, tweet at us at cliffcentral.com. Uh, Facebook is cliffcentral and WeChat ID is cliffcentral. Um, you can send a message on WeChat, tap connect, then I can't see the thing, Duncan. Tap connect, then message to show if you have any questions for my Nigerian buddy. Uh, so, uh, Davies, um, I mean, that's, that's an incredible story. It's, it's difficult to kind of come back from that. Um, <laughs> well, just welcome back. <laughs> can you tell me a bit about, uh, about your life in South Africa? And you must have seen, you know, we all grew up here, so we have our specific feelings on the place and where we are and, um, and the way the country moves. How do you, how have you felt about South Africa since you've been here? Well, uh, yeah, I've lived in a few other places apart from uh, here. Um, why actually I chose South Africa this time around was because it's, uh, it's more like a home to me. You know, um, uh, personally, I feel, um, we're citizens of the world and we can live anywhere. Contrary to what people say about uh, issues of xenophobia, what, 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 you know, stuff like that. I've not really had such experiences, uh, because, uh, I first of all choose my space. And I choose who I allow into my space. So, um, what happened for me, South Africa actually for the past three years and seven months has been, uh, an amazing place. You know, it's been a place for discovering myself again and getting to meet new people, you know, getting to understand dynamics of, uh, my business in terms of actually what I do. Um, so it's, 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 uh, it's something actually I, I still look forward to having, you know, more here. And, uh, I love it here. Yeah. And, uh, of, of all the things that, are, are there things in particular that have, have impressed you about the place and things about the place that have, has disappointed you over these three and a half years? Yeah, they definitely are. Uh, of course, that's how life is definitely. You wouldn't go into a, uh, a battlefield expecting not to get shot or shoot someone. So it's, um, it's, it's, it's come see, come see. It's like, you know, the good, you have the goods, you have the bad. So, but, uh, I choose personally not to like to like, you know, celebrate anything that is bad because it's part of life. It's like saying, uh, it's like accepting death to be part of life, you know. So um, challenges are things that actually uh, must happen in life. So it's 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 you being uh, able to handle the challenge, you know, and you know, staying ahead of uh, ahead of it. That's actually what it is. That's yeah. what I would say about it. Right? Yeah, there's challenges. I suppose there's challenges in, in all places in the world. I've, absolutely, uh, absolutely. I don't know about I don't know where else you've lived in the world, but I've noticed whenever I've traveled uh, and i tend to go for like three months four months i go to do some work i don't i don't like to holiday because i can't afford it um <laughs> but i always always notice after like, i arrive and i'm excited and, and then, then after after, after a month i'm like yeah okay but this stuff's annoying me that stuff's annoying me and i'm like ah would i live here no i wouldn't live here i want to go back home, home. i want to go back home <laughs> so i always land up because Grass is not green anywhere else. Absolutely, man. the grass absolutely. is just the color. It's the color. Is, absolutely, you know? Right. You, you know, you go to. I was in. Uh, I was in Dubai a while ago. I don't know if you've been there. I've been to Dubai. Yeah, sure, man. Yeah. It's amazing. It's a plastic city. Plast- <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's a plastic exactly city. what it is. It's a plastic yeah. city. Yeah, um, like no culture, no art galleries, absolutely. no cafes, and 
Um, no names, no street names either. Yeah. I found yeah. that bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't stay for so long there though, but, uh, you know, like what, 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 what I pick up from an environment, what interests me for an environment might be different from what int- impressed, you know, interests any other person, right? People are different. So, uh, for me, I had a choice. Like I studied in escape studios in London. I had a choice of actually either living in the UK or in Africa, but it wasn't, uh, what I wanted was more of a, a Pan African, I'm very Pan African, like, and I wanted something more soulful, like, that had a vibe of home, had a vibe of, uh, both, you know, what I would have in Europe and also what I would have in, um, and South Africa actually, for some reason, has the structure and also has the, uh, the environment that actually can provide such for me in terms of, uh, work and living. So, hmm. I, I have a friend who's living in Nigeria at the moment, um, and there are a few things that she's commented on because, Whenever people uh, talk about Nigerians or Nigeria, there's often always that tone of like negativity, mm. just like underlying. If That's not, what the media paints for people. And, and sure, mm. sure. And 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 she's an incredibly uh, open person. She always wants to know a place mm. rather than uh, just decide what the media has told you about a place. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the things that she tells me about it are that, like business, it's full power. <laughs> um, that uh, race relations there are kind of just normal compared to South Africa. People are not looking for negativity and that the fashion over there is just off the hook. Like people are cool everywhere and people are cool. Brett, Brett if, if, if I may, if I may cut you short, right. I'm not trying to sell, but right now, like I said, like uh, for over three years now, like I've made up my mind, I'm not going to explain anything to anyone about Nigeria. The fact is that whatever picture you have in your head about Nigeria, if you want to find out things about it for yourself, take a trip. The same way people actually pick a flight and fly, I can fly to Afghanistan, I can fly to Iraq, I can fly to anywhere, just because I'm a citizen of the world. You understand? The media actually has a way. Just unfortunate, actually, we, we're one of those countries that actually, uh, I, I think people understand the dynamics of Nigeria. They don't understand it. So if you're speaking from a perspective about Nigeria, I think you can only speak about Nigeria when you've been in Nigeria. You understand? So, um, I, I, I personally myself, I don't explain it. If you tell me, hey, Nigerians are this, Nigerians are this, it's fine. I don't, I don't, I don't owe you, I don't give a fuck about it. I'm sorry to say it, but I don't give a fuck about it. Whatever you want to say about Nigeria is fine. But if you take a trip to Nigeria, you will understand clearly what the dynamics of it. It's the same thing we hear about the U.S., what we hear about the police shooting people every day on the street. The same thing we hear about South Africa, this happening here. It's, it's everywhere. You understand? So every environment has its eels, has its odds and actually good. So when you go to a place, why are you looking for? What are you looking for? So pick up what you want from the environment. But I can tell you, there is no country in the world like Nigeria. I tell you clearly well. I'm not trying to sell, but there is no country in the world like Nigeria. That's why you find it's a typical practice, a cultural practice. Any Nigerian you see living outside the country, in the diaspora, whether in the U.S. or anywhere it may be, always has that thing that, oh, I want to go back home. I want to go back home. We may not have uh, big structures and actually well-organized environment like other countries, like first world countries would do. But what makes an environment for me, first and foremost, first, first, first and foremost for every other thing, it's, it's, it's a soul of a place. If an environment doesn't have a soul, it's no point living there. I don't care how much money you make in the place. So if you find that there, that is one thing I can tell you, you can find it any, you can't find it anywhere in the world. You, you would definitely find it in Nigeria. If you get into that space, I wonder how that place functioned in that chaos. 250 million people, approximation. <laughs> and I'm sure there's lots of people in the rural areas who are not... Uh, they're not censored. They're not yeah, counted. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Approximation, 250 million people. So Still, how can, so many people. Yeah, Lagos alone has over 50 million people, which is the size of, uh, size of Johannesburg, the size of, uh, the size of entire South Africa. <laughs> so no, that's what I'm saying. Like, how can you quantify such a space that has 
such uh, you know a wide uh, cultural and uh, ethnic groups you can't quantify them into being one person you understand so it's it fine you understand if people say nigeria is this nigeria is this nigeria is this, it's okay i don't have i'm not i'm not apologetic about anything i'm very proud to be a nigerian actually i can tell anyone any day i won't always go back home you sound like you miss it a little bit as well, man. I do miss home. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> when was the last time you? Were, the last time you were back? Three and a half, three, three oh. years and seven months ago. That was Jeez, yeah, last time I was back home. Yeah. Maybe that's your thing. Eh? Three and a half years. Three and a half years <laughs> everywhere. I, I don't know why I'm interviewing now you now when you're just going to be leaving. Leaving? Anyway. No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll be going together. <laughs> yeah, man. That sounds. That sounds cool. Yeah. Um. Uh, were you Were you raised a religious man? Uh, were you a religious man? Uh, well, I would say I grew up from a, a background where um, I had uh, a mother who was very uh, churchy, who was more Pentecostal, and I have had a dad who was more like a free thinker. He was uh, cultured, but they had they had no uh, they had no um, conflict in terms of choice of religion. My mom was a Pentecostal, my dad was had his own belief system, but there was no conflict in terms of hey, you must come to mine or I must come to yours. Like they grew up on the, with that understanding, and uh, for me. I, I I would say I grew up religious based on the fact that my mom's religion was uh, more of a something anyone would enjoy. You know, you go to church, you sing, you you could see cute girls, you could see, you know, people you can talk to. You know, like it, it was more like a vibey thing. And then uh, my dad's kind of religion was more of like, hey, you must be quiet, you must meditate, you must be in a certain position and stuff like that. You know, growing up as a child, that wasn't actually what you wanted to like. You know, see like, so for now. uh I will say clearly well, I've read the Bible back to back twice. I'm very, very vast about religion in terms of the context of what it is. But um, I'm a free thinker. I don't subject myself to any form of dogma or religion. I believe in a, I believe in humanity. So all religions that actually, I think all religion actually preaches the same thing. So um, why actually would I assume that someone who was born in Medina, in Mecca, in the middle of a, a, a mosque should believe that I am a Christian, and then he's going. If he dies, he's going to hell. Yeah. You know, so I don't subject myself to those theories. Actually, you know, dogma created by man. Like I believe the standard rules of life, which are actually is what the Rotarians. Rotarians actually is a club that actually have a humanity club that actually have brought up. Uh, they have uh, four um, major ties. They put their uh, belief system on. Said whatever you do in life, is it beneficiary to all involved? Is it of human? Is, does he have human values, and so on and so forth? You understand. So those are the things that actually I put my belief system on, right? You understand. If it's not, if it's not in the context that actually um, I, I, I accommodate human values as the primary aspect of it, then I'm not part of it. And yeah. um, so then you're, um, so then you're. I, I'll hesitate to put a, a name on on what you are, um, uh, what your religious nature is. But do you have practices? Do you have Things that you do that are your forms of worship? Absolutely, yeah, I do. Every, I think every human being needs it. Naturally, you know, like as an, as an African, uh, I still tell people, like, I believe very well from my research and a few other things that voodoo was African typical uh, traditional practice in terms of religion. So um, going back to that, calling it voodoo, it's actually a name. But every, uh, uh, every human being actually requires a form of a worship system. So I have my own worship path. You understand, which actually includes uh, some very traditional stuff, like cleansing. Because I do, I'm also, I'm, I'm also a spiritual healer. I heal. You understand. I do uh, chakra reversal. I do uh, cleansing and stuff like that. So uh, for bad chakras and bad energies and stuff like that. You're but so I don't trip bones. 
Pardon? I don't throw bones. Okay. okay. Yeah. I don't do divinations, that's witchcraft. So that's, yeah, of course. Yeah. So, but, um, I, I do, I, I have my own form of worship. I have, uh, uh, uh books. I still, sub- I've read, I've read the Bible. I've read other books. I've read, uh, other spiritual books also to like have spiritual guides, which actually it's a, I think it's a base with everyone needs. You understand? So. Dude, amazing. Um, so for our listeners, um, you can tweet us at, at cliffcentral.com and, uh, we're going to play a song now, uh, if that's right with you, Duncan. I know I'm adjusting, uh, messing with the system. So here's Father. This is cliffcentral.com. And we're back. We're back with Davies Bassey at cliffcentral.com. And this is the balcony sessions that you're listening to. Uh, so Davies, um, you have an air of, uh, of leader about you. Um, it's something that's been, that I've noticed since I was, you know, <laughs> when I first met you, you have this air. Okay. Um, I think a lot of people do have that. It's just, uh, a matter of, um, of feeling it, maybe of believing it. Do you, um, how do you feel about about leadership and leadership qualities and um, and Africa as far as leaders are concerned? Oh, well, uh, f- uh, thanks, uh, Breath. Um, well, sorry, that was uh, a monster uh, statement rather than a question. No, 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 it's fine. Ahead. I understand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think um, basically um, it's uh, it's about knowing yourself, and it's also been a, a something I try to like advocate to a whole lot of people who don't have that kind of foundation. If you if you bring up a child bring up a child with so much of confidence that actually um, the child is able to like, you know, stand for himself and actually become um, like a role model to a whole lot of people. Also coupled with a few other things, I think experiences also in life is actually what gives you the uh, foundation of your persona, of what you exude to people, you understand? Because um, I'm a Leo, first of all, I'm a, I'm a Leo, I'm a typical Leo. And uh, I think uh, the foundation where how I grew up, I grew up from a very uh, disciplined background where my dad was a no nonsense man. You have to do what you have to do. You know, you have to be right. You have to be right about things. So, I think that kind of a foundation actually is uh, what created the platform for who I am right now today. And then it's um, of uh, leadership in terms of uh, uh, moving beyond personal leadership to uh, actually uh, governance and stuff like that. I don't, I don't, I don't do politics. Uh, I, I hate politics, you understand? So, but at the end of the day, we're living in a, an environment where we have to deal with politics, political issues and stuff like that. So, um, the, the biggest problem actually, I keep saying, like, uh, Africa has actually had failed leadership a bit in, in terms of expectations, you know, of what we would expect. We have people who actually could govern a whole lot, who could do a lot more for Africa, who are Africans who can do a whole lot more for Africa, but unfortunately, Politics doesn't make these people come to the limelight. You know, they never get to hear their voice. Some of them get to talk too much, talk on TV, talk on radio, and then that way it ends. You understand? So, um, for me, I, I think in my own little space, if I can impact as much life as I can before I leave this space, then I think I consider that as leadership. You understand? That's actually what is important to me. I'm, uh, I'm not, I'm not waiting for, uh, Zuma. I'm not waiting for Buari. I'm not waiting for anyone. If I can impart as much life as I can in terms of skill set, empowering them with knowledge and whatever that actually would give them the foundation to actually become, uh, you know, people, you know, with worth. So that's actually what I'm, 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 I'm all about. Oh, interesting, man. I, yeah. I've, I've been noticing um, a bit of a change in um, uh, perceptions worldwide uh, regarding Africa and, re- and regarding the first world. Um, that's, I think we keep seeing, 
you know, the, the media have been telling us for years and years and years that first world, first world, first world, yeah. everything's better in the first world. Mm. And um, I tend to believe that that's a lot of shit because all the best people I know in the world, and I think people are the, are the country, all the best people I know in the world are third world people, are Southern Africans, um, are people from the East, are people from Latin America. And um, I'm noticing a greater respect for for Africa. I mean, we have problems. Everyone has problems, as we've discussed. But I'm really appreciate, appreciating the the change in tone. Um, maybe not uh, media-wise, but certainly at the ground level of people. People are talking and people are saying, yeah, Africa, yeah, Latin America. Yeah, let's go there. Let's go and let's find out what that is. You know, you, you know what I think, Bert, in that, in that regard, right? The economy is crumbled. And this is where we have everything. The, all the economy is crumbled. So now guess what? It's, it's, it's a trick. You know, everyone is just coming like, hey, okay, it's day in Africa now. So everybody's running to Africa now. Do you understand? So, uh, well, I, 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 this is what has been existing for long. But because it was forcefully taken. So, and then we are coming to the consciousness of the fact that it was forcefully taken. And then we are reclaiming the things that actually were taken from us. And guess what? You have nothing to do but to accept the fact that, oh, it actually has been in Africa since. So it's all a political propaganda to actually, you know, make things go round. But it doesn't mean that actually they were not conscious about the fact that Africa has always been the best place for the best things ever. It's yeah. always been. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, there's a great appreciation for art, uh, for film, Absolutely. for entertainment, Abs- and, and also for the countries themselves. For the actual countries, people are going, oh, maybe I won't go to uh, Finland this year because yeah. it's uh, Euros or whatever they have over there. Well, right, and, come to South Africa. You know, let's come to South Africa. Let's yeah. go to Zimbabwe. Let's yeah. go to Kenya. Yeah. And I don't know about you. Have you been to Zim? Uh, no, I've not, been to, I've not been to Zimbabwe yet. Dude, <laughs> that's an amazing place. Are so you serious? It's incredible. Oh. It's absolutely... It's beautiful. Everywhere you drive, there's be- beautiful baobabs and incredibly beautiful people. Like, everyone's nice and kind and, you know, they're giving. And uh, I think mm. um, interactions between humans... That's that's everything to me, man. I I don't have any interest generally than that. If Absolutely. I can have good interactions Absolutely. with human Absolutely. beings, Absolutely. that's where that's where I want to leave my life. Um, so um, we're going to wrap up in a couple of minutes. Uh, we've uh, got uh, one minute to talk about work, so maybe I'll skip that one. <laughs> okay. um, Davis, can you um, give us your media handles uh, where people can follow you and check out the work that you're doing? Okay. Um, well, right now I'm actually uh, developing my web. My website actually is uh, it's on the revamp. Uh, I've been so, I've, <laughs> just like everybody else's you, website. Uh, you know, like you know, we keep it's like a doctor who keeps <laughs> treating people and he's sick and no one is there to treat him. Like, <laughs> so what happens is sometimes you give in so much time to. Uh, uh, other people's stuff to make sure uh, at least you put smiles on your client face, which is actually very important. Uh, what my I think I'm more active on uh, Instagram. I'm actually running a a web TV channel right now. It's called Omari. Omari, yeah. What's the what do you how do you spell that? Omari. O M A R I. Omari. Omari Showbox. Okay. Omari Showbox. Yeah. The you web, can just find them on Google or Facebook. Yeah. If, or you, if you Google it, you're gonna find it. If you go to a, it's an Instagram handle. It's Omari Showbox. An Instagram handle is Omari Showbox. So that's actually where you can uh, find me. Uh, Omari Showbox on Facebook. You can see Davis Bassi. Uh, yeah. I have uh, also Dava Digital Media also slaved under my Facebook stuff. You can get to see a, f- a few stuff we've done there. But uh, my site should be up definitely up and running before the end of the month. So. Cool. Yeah. So that's uh, Davies Bassi. Uh, if you're gonna look for him on Instagram, it's Davies. Barsi, B-A-R-S-Y. If you want to follow me, it's at B-R-R Rogers. That's three R's. Um, you can find me on Instagram and uh, Twitter. Also, please follow CliffCentral.com. And uh, thank you all so much for listening to the show. And uh, we're going to play you out later. Cliff Central. The revolution.
got something important to tell you. Cliffcentral.com.